announce to the church that we're being, having a little bit of a change in regards to our services on Wednesday night. It's still a prayer meeting. It's still time to open up our Bibles. But again, just straight after, um, after we do our prayer, our, our prayer um, requests, then we'll ask all the TNS um, people, if you're, if you're involved in TNS, to go next door. And we'll do practicing for tonight as well for the music for that. Um, so let's turn our Bibles this evening to Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, and we'll be turning to three different passages tonight, Colossians chapter 3, and we'll begin reading in verse 22, Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, servants, obey all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. This is Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as, as to the Lord and not unto men. And not unto men. And so tonight what I'd like to do is, is start a, a series uh, in regards to our theme for this month. And our theme is authentic passion. Authentic passion. And so uh, the next couple of weeks, what I'd like to do is, is really just delve into this thought of um, introduction to passionate Christianity. So this week, we're going to learn about that. And next week, we're going to go through the evidences of passionate Christianity. And then uh, lastly, again, the last week of this, week, uh, this month, we'll be doing the means of rejuvenating our passion for Christ. Have you ever gotten cornered in a in a place, whether it's in uni or whether it's in the shops, and someone is standing there and you sort of know. I'm not sure about you, but I like watching people when they walk past me. And there's, um, there's a certain spot in Seven Hills, and um, there's a certain spot where they put a table. And you know why you walk past that table. There's, like, there's a lot of perfumes or things like that. You'll have people trying to sell the perfume. And sometimes what you do is you sort of... Go, go around them and you get your phone and you put it up to your ear and pretend like you're talking to someone because you don't really want you to, you don't want them to even begin to talk to you, right? And have you ever been in that position where, where someone has cornered you somewhere and they've just, they've shared to you um, just some of the things that they're really, really interested in? Um, I, I remember going up to, to, to Brisbane and we had an opportunity to go to the zoo and, and one of these these zoos that we've been to, they had this big, um, big arena. And in the arena, they had this, um, this, this big TV showing, this um, wildlife warriors. And if you, if you haven't been there, it's this really interesting show. There's birds that fly everywhere, and it's, it's really amazing. But by the end of it, you're actually, in your mind, you're thinking to yourself, how can I improve our life to be a better wildlife warrior? It's something that's really just, in, just been hammered to you for the last 25 minutes that this thing is very important and this passion of, of that, that, the late Steve Irwin is really important today. And so you have this, this situation where um, there's two things that happen. When someone's talking to you about their passion, one, you start thinking to your mind, why am I even here? Um, why is he wasting his time? Or secondly... This might happen to you. you. You might start considering it. You might start saying, hey, you know what? No, it's true what they're saying. 
It's true, and I, I sort of understand. I see that in my life. And if you're, not, if and if if you've ever been close to someone that's passionate about cars, do you know what they're going to start talking about? Cars. If you talk about someone that's that's passionate about about their business and about what they've learned in university, do you know what they're going to start talking to you about? It's what they learned in university or what part of business they're actually involved in. And so what you have is this this passion that everyone has about something. And today I'd like to just put forth the notion that we need to be passionate about our Christianity because it's important for us. We need to understand that we cannot just be blasé Christians anymore. We need to be salt and light. And so tonight, our first point is simply this. God desires, God desires passionate believers. God desires passionate believers. Let's turn to Titus, Titus chapter 2. Book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 11. It says this, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. In verse 12, Titus chapter 2, verse 12 teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In verse 14, I've actually highlighted this. It says this, Who gave himself for us for a purpose. And that purpose is this, that he might redeem us, from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people. And then there's this word that he puts in, zealous, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. And the thought for tonight, and the first point is this, is that just as how excited that person is as they go for their team, and they buy their memorabilia. They, they buy, they even, sometimes they even tattoo their bodies with the amount of times they won premierships. These guys are, are very interested and passionate about a game that happens every week. How much more should we be interested and passionate about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Why? Our desire and God's desire for us as Christians tonight is that we need to be passionate about our Christianity. We need to be passionate about our Christianity. See, um, sometimes what we do is we, we put passionate Christianity into a box. You say, everyone that's inside this box ought to be passionate about, passionate about Christianity. And so this is what we do, Brother Ehart. We, we get somebody, like somebody from staff, and we look at them, their expectation, and our expectation for a staff member is that they're passionate about what they're doing, amen? That should be your expectation, yes, definitely. And so what we do is we get that, that staff member, and we put him in the box, and, and we go, oh, no, no, pastor needs to be passionate about what he's doing, because if he has no passion, then we're not going to listen to him. Why? Because it doesn't mean anything to him. If pastor wasn't passionate about how he preached, then you wouldn't listen. And so what we'll do is we'll put pastor in the box. 
And then we'll look at a missionary like uh, Brother Jeremy Pinero or other missionaries that come through our way. And we say, yes, they need to be passionate. But the truth is, every single person that's saved, that called upon Jesus Christ to save them, needs to be passionate about what happened to you. You know, today, I had an opportunity, and I asked the church to pray last week. Today was our last opportunity to, to share the gospel to about 14 year 10 students at Doonside High. Today was the last day. Because year 11 and 12, they don't allow scripture to happen. So year 10 is the last time we get to talk to them. And today, as we, as we sat down, we had fun. I gave chocolates out, and we talked about the Bible, the book of Mark, and we went through the syllabus and what we've learned. I asked them a question. I said, so, so put up your hand if, you're, if you go to church. And one person out of the 14 people that have been allocated Christian scripture actually said, I go to church. And so even when he looked around, guys, he looked around and he saw no one's hands up. His, his hands sort of just went like this. And what that was for me was an opportunity. Why? Because when they see me, they should see someone that's excited about their faith. They should see somebody that, that cares about their soul. Why? Because God's requirement for us is not only to be peculiar, but to be zealous, to be zealous of good works. And that's not addition to your salvation. No, no, no. That's not because if you do good works, then you're going to heaven. That's not true. What it is is that God can use those good works that you've done to bring him more glory and more honor and more praise. So he expects Christianity and Christians today to be zealous. Amen? God desires us to be passionate about him. This week we again had an opportunity to do discipleship and I was reminded that Christianity starts from the inside out. But the truth is, is that it doesn't start from outside in. God needs to change the heart first. And God's requirement, before you can even ever get zealous or, or passionate about Christianity and what the Bible has to say, first of all, like what Brother Ehad said in the morning, you need to be saved. Because people use this book and they use it as a, as a, as a study guide. They don't see it as the Word of God. You have to understand some of the people that I talk to during the week, they're, they're students of the Word of God, but they don't, they don't believe in the God of the Bible. And so what you have is these educated people that see this as a textbook, but it doesn't happen, there's nothing happening in their heart. Not yet. Amen. But as a believer, we should all, we should all understand how amazing it is to be a Christian tonight. How amazing it is. See, Christianity starts from the inside, and it doesn't stop there. It continues. This week, we were learning about um, fruits of the Spirit. And we talked about how love, joy, and long-suffering. And we talked about all these different fruits of the Spirit. And, and the end result was simply this, is that a man walking with God, a man that's desiring to, to seek God's face and please God, the byproduct of their life is the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? 
the byproduct of their life is you walk with God, people will see that. People will understand, hey, if I'm going through a struggle in my life, I can talk to her because she's walking with God. If I'm going through a struggle in my life, I can talk to him. Why? Because he's walking with God. And so this, this thought and this notion that only the people that are in ministry should be fired up about God, about, God, about Christianity, it's wrong. It's incorrect. You should have that passion. You should have that drive. You spend some time with men, and the first thing that you, you know, when pastor said, he goes, oh, sometimes when a preacher gets up, um, he has these pet things. And that's what I have. And I, I laughed and I giggled a little bit in the front seat. Why? Because you talk to me about anything in the world, and I'll bring it back to souls. And we'll bring it back to the gospel. And we'll bring it back to what the Bible says about how Jesus Christ died for someone's sin. Why? Because I've been geared that way. That's my passion. That's my zeal. If you ask me about that, it's going to happen. And so as these teenagers looked up at me, I had, had, a, had, a, I had a, about 15, 15 minutes to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to 14 kids today. In 15 minutes, and I, and I asked them at the end, because you have to understand, if you can't pray with the kids one-on-one, that, that's not allowed. But as a group, we can. And so, as, as we went through the scriptures, understood that there was a sinner. And there was a punishment for sin. And that Jesus Christ took that punishment away from the death, burial, and resurrection of, of what he's done. As, as sole payment for their sin. And then for them just to merely receive the gift of God. We prayed and then I asked the kids, I said, um, are you guys, put up your hand if you think you're, that you're going to heaven or you think you're going to hell. And there's a few people, and pray for them, I can't say their names, but there's about four people today that said, I want to know more about Jesus Christ. And we, we, both un- we all understand here that it's not one, two, three, re- repeat after me, that's not salvation. But the Holy Ghost can do far more greater than what we can expect and desire. And so if we're putting people in a box and we're keeping ourselves out of the box, we're going to look around and say, no, hey, why, is, why isn't she fired up? And you, you fail to see that you're not fired up. And we start complaining about things that, that shouldn't be complained of. Why? Because we're too busy looking at everything else instead of doing what God wants us to do. Why? Because God's desire is for passionate believers. In the Congo, there's this group, and I'll, I'll try to pronounce it right. It's uh, Lasap. Lasap or Sapur. And they call them the, Cong- the Congo Dandies. Um, it's short for the Society of ta- uh, Tastemakers and Elegant People. You say, well, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that if you, if you have a passion for something, you're going to have a means to get it done. You're going to have a means, and you're going to make a means for you to create time or finances to fulfill what you're passionate about, right? And these people in, in Congo, you say, what, what's so, so good about them? Captivated by their snobbery and refined elegance the, uh, of the coast, so the French, um, French's men, uh, men's attire, the Congolese servants spurned their master's secondhand clothing and became uh, unremitting consumers and fervent connoisseurs, spending their meager wages extravagantly to acquire the latest fashion from Paris. And there was a documentary that was made on these particular people, and 
And it was, it was shocking to see that, that their house was a mess. That their walls were just dirty and their kids were running around and it was, it was filthy. And there in the middle of, of all that filth is this man dressed up in this orange suit, three-piece suit with silk, uh, silk socks on, with, with branded belts and alligator shoes on, and with a top hat. And they call these men the, the, the Congo dandies. Why? And, and, and you sort of think in your mind, why would you waste your money on clothing when you could just help your family on building a proper house, right? And this is, this is a crazy thought, and I saw this happening, and, and I was watching this thing, and and, and, and you see his wife, not even in the kitchen, she's outside cooking, and there's this guy dressed up, took him three hours to get dressed, so that he can walk down the street and walk back to his house. And you say to yourself, that is ridiculous. He showed a pair of shoes that took him four years to save up for. Four years for a pair of shoes. That's his passion. That's what he wanted to be seen as. He wants everyone to look at him and say, wow, that, that guy is elegant. He's exquisite. And his whole life and his whole family had to adhere to that, that lifestyle. And it's quite sad. How many times as us Christians, we tell people to, to love God. We tell people to be passionate about Christianity. But us ourselves, we're just fading away. Precious time for things that don't really matter. And the currency that we use now doesn't matter when you get to heaven. Let me remind you that. And the things that are important now doesn't matter once you die and you go to heaven. And what you're doing right now with your life, if you're passionate and you're compassionate and you're zealous for God, is that you're investing your time and your talents and your, and, and your funds for eternity that no one can ever steal, that your family will never put in the salvo's bin because you're long gone. You're investing, and God requires passionate Christianity. Not only that, second point for us tonight, watching our time. Let's turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 31. So God desires passionate believers. Secondly, in John chapter 4, verse 31, it says this. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. Verse 32, but he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Have any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus saith unto him, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Amen. I thank the Lord that he finished his work. Say ye not, say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white, already to harvest. 
And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he and the, and that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent, to you, I, I sent you to reap that wherein ye bestow no labor, other men labor, and ye are entered into their labors. Not only does God desire passionate believers, but Jesus Christ exemplified zeal and passion in his fulfillment of his duty. Jesus Christ depicted zeal in the fulfillment of his duty. You have to understand that this predicament, they weren't in Jerusalem. Where were they? Does anyone know? In the text that we read, where, where were they? It starts with an S. Samaria. Exactly right. And Jesus Christ has been, no doubt, have traveling a long time. And, and now his disciples in, 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 in the following verses, in John, in, in John chapter 4, verse 8. Um, for his, no, it doesn't say that. His disciples went around and they were, they were looking for, for an opportunity to buy meat. And while they were out to buy meat, do you know what happened, church? Jesus Christ did what he was supposed to do. He met up with a woman. Remember that woman in the well? And he spoke to her about who she was and about the water. And the water, she wasn't, he wasn't talking about the physical water. He was talking about himself. And, and all these people now have come and, and congregated around Jesus and the disciples. And they're looking and they're saying, okay, this is the man that told you what? He knows you? He told you your sins? And while this was happening, understand, the disciples came together and they were like, Master, it's, it's time for you to eat. Understand that wasn't trying to disrupt him. It was necessary. Master, we, we spent a long time, and if we're hungry, we know that you're hungry because you're a man too. And so they come, and they try to give Jesus Christ some meat, and, and he turns around, and he shows his zeal. He says, you know what? My meat is to do, to do the will of the Father. And even though my tummy right now is killing me and it's aching, I still need to do what I'm supposed to and what I'm called here to do. And he turned around to the disciples in their desire to help him. He turns around and he helps them instead. He said, I want you to change your perspective. Stop looking at here. I know it's a good relationship. I know it's a great time, but let's look out there. And he caused them to look. And the people that they saw were not Jews. They saw men of Samaria. They saw women there. And so the thought is this, is that Jesus Christ, our ultimate example, the reason why we're called Christians, the followers of Christ, made it a means for us to show that we need to have passion, compassion, and zealousness and what we're doing for him. He's our example, amen? 
Not only that, it's our duty. It says this. You, we, we all know the verse in, in Matthew chapter eight, uh, 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore. Can someone quote that for me? And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And he says there, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And just like Jesus Christ had a duty, Christian, you have a duty too. You're not here just to wander your life and, and, and live for yourself. I'm sorry. When Jesus Christ bought you, he bought you with a price. You can just look at Romans chapter 12 there. And the thought is, is that when he bought you, he bought you for a purpose. And there's a reason why you're a believer in this time, in this age, in this dispensation. God has allowed you to be here. And not 20 years ago, not 10 years ago, not 100 years ago. He allowed you to be here and we have a duty and our duty should be, should be utmost. You say, but, but, but Pastor EJ, you can say that because you work for the church. Do you know, I know a lot of men that are passionate about Jesus Christ that still work a secular job. Do you know there's a lot of ladies that never ever stood behind a pulpit, praise the Lord. But there in their homes are faithful, glorifying God with, their, with what they're doing. And it begs me to ask the question, why would God ask you something that you cannot produce? Why would God ask you to do something that he knows that you cannot do? Well, he won't. And so the thought is this, so if, if he knows that we can achieve it, and he knows that we can have passion in, in our life, and that's the expectation from him, then my friend, you can have passion too. Don't just limit it to people that are in ministry. You can have it day to day. You can, you can desire God to move in your life, even if both of you, your parents are working. Even as you step into the, the secular world of the university halls and they question your faith, you can still have passion for Jesus Christ. It's possible. I'll tell you why. Because the third point is this. Passion was a mark of the New Testament church. The New, the New Testament church. Zealousness and zealous Christianity was a hallmark for the early church. Do you know what happened when you got baptized back then? Do you know, Brother Jai? Um, I was thinking about this um, a couple days ago. When you, got, when you got baptized, bro, you were in front of a lot of Christians. And some people weren't saved. Yes, I understand that. But a lot of Christians got to witness the death, burial, and resurrection, right? He's part of us. But back then, you had to understand that when people were getting baptized, there were other groups of people watching too. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the lawgivers, basically. And when you said that I'm going to associate my life with Jesus Christ, they'll put a target on your back. And the persecution started. What, you don't want to adhere to the laws of your fathers and your grandfathers and your great-great-grandfathers now? You just believe this, this crazy man? Don't you think that they had persecution back in the days too? Definitely. 
And as the church of Jerusalem continued to grow, people began to watch. People began to say, hey, we need to put a stop to this. And this is what happened in Acts chapter one, uh, 4, verse 1. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. If you want to turn there, Acts chapter 4, verse 2. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. In verse 4 of Acts chapter 4, it says this, How be it, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men was about 5,000. That's a zealous church. That's a church that desires the, the power of God in their life. That's not just one person there. That's a group of people asking God, God, please save Seven Hills. Yes, we've been here for over 25 years. But there are still souls that need to be saved here. Have you thought of that? And yes, I may have dawned off every single house here. But maybe one of them has moved and another family has come in. They need to hear too. And the truth is, tonight, church, God desires and God expects passionate Christians. Jesus Christ showed that zealousness was part of his calling. This is what he did. And it was a hallmark for the New Testament church. Their zealousness. How does that apply to us now? Because you could read the scriptures, go home and say, that was a good sermon. No, that's not a good sermon. I want you to go home and, and evaluate yourself. Do I have this passion that I used to have? It's always been like that. If you can look back and say, my passion was up there back then at this point in my life, then you've gone backwards. Exactly right. And God's desire for you is to continue growing in your passion. I'm not saying... I'm not saying this. I'm not spending more time at church. I'm not saying that. I'm saying walk with God. I'm not saying join more ministries. No, no. I'm saying you get, get back to your love for God. Because that will drive you to do more. Church, that's what's got to happen. The more and more you walk with God and you read his scriptures and you grow therein, it's going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You're going to grow. You're going to desire. You're going to expect God to do great things on Sundays. Why? Because we have passion. And as we, as we delve into this for the next couple of weeks, I'd like us to, again, understand that we're living in limited time. You're not promised next week. And I'm not saying be foolish and then do whatever you want. No, no. I'm saying maximize your time today. Walk with your God. Get passionate about his, his word, about his work that's happening here. It encouraged me on, on the morning seeing those families stand up. Because it reminded me of those verses that, you know, we're laboring where someone else is laboring. 
and many years. And many years they did not see what they see today. It's true. It encourages me when I see Pastor Joe. And I remember him, how he was. How we used to pray for different people from Thailand. And we used to laugh at their names. And now they're serving faithfully. And they're winning souls to Christ. I remember the days when, when the Anger family went to our church. And we weren't going to that, this church at that time. But we were in a youth camp. And, and, and I remember the Anger family put, put out this, this massive um, airplane. And obviously it was, like, it was made out of plastic. And, and they just sewed it together and glued it together. And they put, they put like fans on the ends of the airplane. You'd walk in and, and there would be Mrs. Anger preaching, uh, teaching the little kids about Jesus Christ, and we're traveling to a different place of the world. I remember that. But why isn't it happening now? It is happening now. Next week, we'll have an opportunity to impact the lives of over 30 kids. How do you say, how do you know that? I know that there's more than 30 that have registered. We'll have an opportunity next week as a church here in Seven Hills to impact the lives of children that one day they might even stand up and they'll say here, I remember the time when we came here and, then, and man, it was crazy. We had so much fun. Those other 30 kids. Do you remember those? And who's to say that Jesus Christ won't come back next week? And the thought is this, is that tonight, where is your passion? If, if we were to get your closest friends and put them in a room, and I ask them, what, what, what do you think of this person? What would, if, if you were to choose a couple of themes of this person, what would it be? What would they say about you? Would they say, oh, this guy really loves Jesus Christ? Would it be like, this guy really loves his work? Or would it be, and I'm saying that's not wrong. Just have that balance. Amen? Have a balance. So God desires passionate Christianity. Jesus Christ exemplified passionate Christianity whilst he was here by fulfilling his duty. But thirdly is that it was a hallmark of the New Testament church. They went through persecutions and they kept growing. They get cut down, mowed down, and they still kept growing like a weed. And you poison it, and it still keeps going. Why? Because there's purpose. And as we delve into, again, passionate Christianity, next week what we'll do is we'll learn about, um, about the effects of passionate Christianity, how that will change your life. Amen? So let's pray. Ask God to bless. Again, Father, we thank you, Lord, for just the opportunity to be here. And again, for the Word of God, the examples that you've placed through Scripture, about this little area of our life, how we ought to, again, be passionate about what we do. I ask again that you just help us to be doers of the word. And I know you can't really fabricate, you can't fabricate passion, Father God, but it all starts with the heart. And so help us, Lord, to evaluate our hearts tonight and evaluate, Lord, whether we're walking with you the way that we should. And evaluate, Father God, how much time we spend with you today and and just 
make those decisions to change that, to grow, to walk with you a little bit more. God, passionate Christianity really makes a difference. It changes perspectives, and I pray that our church will just see just the momentous and great things that is happening in our church right now and be excited about church and be excited about your work. And Lord, I thank you for the last couple of weeks that souls have been getting saved every week. Well, that's not normal. But yet you've given us the privilege to see that. And so I pray that you again invigorate us, help us to walk with you, help us to grow. In Jesus' name, amen.